Hi there, welcome, and it is good to be with you on this Mother's Day. And again, as Pastor Brad said, Happy Mother's Day. And in particularly, uh, in times like this, you know, you moms have a way of making things okay when things are hard. And so thank you, moms, and uh, I hope that uh, your family is treating you well and spoiling you today because you all deserve it. So happy Mother's Day. Hey, we are looking at Deuteronomy chapter 5, and we are looking at the third commandment of using, misusing, wrongful use of the name of the Lord, taking the Lord's name in vain. So join with me in a word of prayer as we prepare to listen to God's word. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for your goodness, and we ask for your presence now as we Dive into your word. Uh, Help us to hear and understand and respond uh, to your word and to your teaching. We thank you, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. The text comes to us uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. And I will read portions of that. Listen now to God's word to you and to me. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in the heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. And you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And you know, at one time, words used to mean something. We know today, political leaders say words we know cannot be trusted. There was a day when entire reputations of newspapers hinged on truth-telling. Truth used to absolutely matter. Today, before reading an article, I ask, well, what paper and news source is running the story? Is it CNN? Is it Fox? Is it BBC, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, or the Washington Times, or the Washington Post? Because depending on who's running the story, each has a slant on its own truth. Very few offered unfiltered truth. It's sad that when I want to know what's going on in my own country, oftentimes the news source I turn to is BBC because I don't like the slant given by the other news stations. And right now, just who are we to believe about what's the best response to the COVID-19 pandemic? Should we open everything back up so that people can get back to work and kickstart the economy again? Or do we continue to hunker down to keep flattening the curve and the numbers of the infected and those needing care. Who do we trust? How do we know what's true? Here's the thing. If people never followed through with their words and could not be counted on, we would know not to trust them. But it's precisely because most of the time, most of the words by politicians and news sources and even us are trustworthy words. That's the trouble, the most of the time. Imagine if words never meant what they mean. 
if we never followed through with our words. It would be total chaos. So this leaves us with a dilemma. How do we know when words spoken, those words actually mean what they mean? How can we tell? How do we know the difference? You know, words used to mean something. And here's the thing. We all know what's happening right now is not right. It shouldn't be this way. Now, what does all of this have to do anything with making wrongful use of the name of the Lord our God? I want us to pay attention to two words here. There are two words we need to pay attention to. One is wrongful use or in vain. Uh, It's actually one word in the Hebrew, uh, but we translate it as wrongful use or in vain. And then I want us to focus on the word name. So wrongful use in vain. The Hebrew word literally means empty, false, worthless, insincere words. Now what this is talking about is any use of involvement of God's name that which is empty, false, worthless, or insincere. So there are several levels to this. One obvious level is using the Lord's name as a swear word, you know, like when we stub a toe or when we uh, hurt ourselves, we use the Lord's name in vain. And obviously, that's something that we ought not, this tells us we ought not do. There are the frivolous use of words. When we say mean uh, words, and we're sarcastic, we make fun. And this is something that I need to work with, in particular with my family members. I don't think you church members know that I can be pretty uh, frivolous with my words, sarcastic. Uh, but I know my family gets that from me. And then... What this is really getting at is when our spoken words, there's a disconnect between what is spoken and what we do. This commandment refers to speaking words that are inconsistent with our actions. See, the inability to treat our words as our bond, to count ourselves committed and bound to what we say, is a symptom of sin and brokenness. That there's a disconnect between what is spoken, what is uttered, and what is done is a sign of brokenness and sin. The person who takes this command seriously is one who speaks cautiously, but keeps their word absolutely, knowing that irresponsibility and unreliability are grave offenses and grievous sins. Now, what does all of this have to do with a God who brought us out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery? What's the big deal, huh? Why do words matter so much? Why do words matter so much? Because words absolutely matter to God. You see, word has to do with God's nature, God's character, 
and God's creation. Let me explain. In God's kingdom, there's never a time when God's word does not mean what it means. There's never a time when God's word does not lead to equal to reality. There's never a disconnect between God's spoken and written word and reality. This disconnect is an impossibility. It doesn't exist in God's kingdom. When God speaks, that's reality. What is spoken happens. What is spoken is reality. It's true. There is never a separation between the spoken word and reality. The separation between word and its actualization is egregious to God. This is an affront to God. This is a sin. That there is such inconsistency in our world between the spoken word and what actually happens is a sign of sin and our messed upness. And Think about this. How did God create the heavens and the earth? How did the universe come about? Do you remember in Genesis? Words. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. God said, let the waters bring forth swarming swarms of living creatures. God said, let us make humankind in our own image according to our own likeness. Everything happened as a result of the spoken word by God. When God speaks, reality happens. When God speaks, creation happens. When God speaks, restoration happens. When God speaks, God's spoken word is reality. In the gospel according to John, at the very beginning, we are told by the gospel writer, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And then check this out. And the word was God. There is no separation between God and word. There is power in the word. Word creates. The word transforms. It heals when spoken and used as God meant it to work. But because of sin, words destroy. Words kill. Words injure. Words in prison. In God's kingdom, it is inconceivable to think of a moment when the word does not equate to its reality. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Imagine if these words were not true. Imagine if these words do not mean what they mean. It would be a total, absolute travesty. Words mean what they mean, or there is no meaning to words at all. You see, in God's kingdom, words obligate the speaker to its enactment. When our words do not mean what they say, the problem is that 
that is not only a reflection of our character, of who we are, but now because God has placed his name and presence upon us, because God has redeemed us and rescued us and called us his own people, and because his presence is upon us, our misrepresentation of God's word and reality reflects on the name of God. You know, one of the most well-known prayers in the Old Testament is the Aaron's prayer and benediction found in Numbers 6, 24 through 26. And I bet as soon as I start reading it, <coughs> you already have heard it before. The ironic uh, blessing goes like this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, this is the prayer God instructed Aaron and the priests to say over the people of Israel to help them remember God has blessed them. God has placed his presence among them, that God's name has been placed upon them. And then listen to what God says is the purpose of Aaron's benediction. In verse 27, it says, So they shall put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. So, so it works like this. God's salvation, God's redemption, God's blessing equals God's name. And God's name marks each and every one of us. God's blessing, God's name is a stamp of God's approval. It's a, it's a sign of God's presence. We are not a, our own. We represent our Savior and his church. Our words are no longer our own. Our words represent Christ and his church. Our actions are no longer our own. Our actions represent our Savior. And so when our words do not match our actions, it is an egregious sin against the character and the nature of the God who saved us. It denies God's presence. It rejects God's kingdom. Because God has redeemed us, because God has saved us, because God has made us new, we worship God by using our words the way God uses words, where there is never a separation between what is spoken and what is done. Worship and honor the Lord your God through your words. Transform, heal, create, liberate, seek justice. With your words. This is our act of worship. For you, Christian, for you, redeemed, what you say is your reality. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for your words that gives us life. Thank you so much, God, that your words, we never have to ask, is this true? Your word 
is our reality. Forgive us, God. For that is not the case with us. Forgive us, God. Lord, you are such a great and awesome God. We give you thanks. Hey, friends, these commandments, instructions for living the blessed life is for those who have, who have been redeemed and saved by God. And the way you do that and the way we get there is to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and to say, God, uh, I've tried life on my own. It didn't, it's not working out very well. And I'm going to trust you and turn to you. And so you do need to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to turn your life over to God. And so the way you do that is to say something like this in your own words. You say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins. I choose now to follow you. And if you've said that, the very next thing you need to do is to engage with the local church. You need a community. It is impossible to follow Christ without being a part of Christ's church. So let us know. We want to journey with you. And may we be a people, friends, when the people of the little church in Lakewood Grace speak, there ought to never be a question is that true? When we speak, it ought to be the reality in the world around us. And when we speak, representing God, we ought to liberate those who are enslaved. We ought, our words ought to be used to create and to seek justice and to transform the world so that our world here reflects and looks a whole lot more like God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that that's our reality. And once again, happy Mother's Day. They spoil all the ladies today. They ought to, that ought to be done every day, but in particular on days like this. All right, have a great week, and we'll see you again next week.